Good morning. Good morning. It works. All right. Good morning, guys. My name is Lindsay Belcher. Um, I have been a member here for a little over three years. And you might have seen my husband and I in the two-year-old's room with children's ministry or serving um, behind the rail as prayer ministers. We love to serve the church. So it is very good to be with you this morning. It is good to worship the Lord with you this morning. Um, Yeah, and Scott has invited me to speak about our next gospel minimum, and that is sharing your story. So if you've been around here for the last month or so, we have been going through these gospel minimums, and they have been defined as this, simply a fundamental or a basic of following Jesus. So last week, Sutton told, or taught us, rather, about sharing the gospel. And Sutton said that we cannot, and we will not, share the gospel unless we've experienced the gospel for ourselves. That it's not just head knowledge of Jesus that we're invited into, but it's a heart knowledge, it's a heart understanding of Jesus that compels us to share the gospel. And this morning, I'd like to think that when our story intersects with the story of Jesus, with the good news of Jesus, everything changes. And not only that, but then we have a story that is bigger than just ourselves, bigger than just ourselves. So this morning, I'd like to tell you that each of you has a story, and I bet you already knew that. You probably know your story very well. If I could convince you of something a little bit Deeper than that, I'd like to tell you that your story is not only about yourself. It's also about God. And that God wants to use your story to draw others closer to himself. God wants to use your story as an avenue to bring others to himself. See, when our story Um, intersects with God's and our lives become intertwined with his, everything changes. So this morning, I'd like to look at an account with you in the Bible where a woman has a really beautiful encounter with Jesus. And then something crazy happens afterwards. And so we're going to get into that. So we will be in John 4, verses 27 through 30. Um, But before we dig in, let's pray. God, I I thank you that you delight to reveal yourself to us. God, we are here to worship you and nothing else, and so, Lord, would you come? Our eyes are open, our ears are open, and our hearts are open. Would you speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're following along, John chapter 4, verses 27 through 30, We are in page 1053 of the church Bible under your seat. And while you're turning there, I'd like to set up the story a little bit for you. So Jesus has been traveling around. He's been ministering to people, healing people. Um, And currently, he is in Judea, and he is heading towards Galilee. Now, if I was Scott and super nerdy, I would give you a map, but I'm, I'm not into maps, so you don't have a map. So if you could lean in and use your imagination with me. He is traveling from Judea to Galilee, and most devout Jews would take a longer route around the region of Samaria. Samaritans and Jews, they had a lot of beef. 
They had a lot of beef. They had some disdain. The Jews really didn't like the Samaritan people. There was great mistrust. And so people would literally elongate their travel by days. But not Jesus, because we know that Jesus is bold, and he goes for it. And he has a heart for these people, so he heads directly into the region of Samaria. And not only does he just go into the region of Samaria, but he goes right into the capital city of the Samaritans. And he ends up at a town called Sychar. And it's in this town where he finds this woman at a well. She's at a well, and she's drawing water, and she's there alone. And it's the middle of the day. So it's the hottest point of the day, and a woman is drawing water alone. That's two red flags. Two red flags that this woman is likely living a very marginalized and isolated life. But Jesus walks up to her, and he asks her for a drink of water. And as conversation progresses, he starts to recall to her very intimate things about her life, things that no one knows. And she's startled, she's shocked, she's even taken aback, and it's in that very personal moment, that very tender moment, that she realizes who is standing in front of her, that the man standing in front of her is Jesus the Messiah. So the story's going to pick up here. We're going to start in verse 27. It says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town, and they made their way toward him. So this woman has a deeply personal experience with Jesus, and the first thing she does is drop her water jar. Guess she didn't need water. <laughs> she drops her water jar, which is a whole other sermon for another day, and I would just really encourage you to go this week and dig into this account. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. So she drops her water jar, and some translations say that she runs back to town that she ran back to town. And what does she say? She says, come and see. Come and see. She gives these people an invitation to go see Jesus. Go check out Jesus. Look at what I just discovered. And it's all based on her personal experience with him. And I love that scripture just tells us what happens. It says, the people came towards Jesus. So people were intrigued. They were curious. They didn't want to just take her word for it. No, they wanted to see themselves. And so they went towards Jesus. Let's continue reading verse 39. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. 
Don't miss that miracle. Many came close to Jesus and many believed because of this woman's testimony, because of her story that drew them close to Jesus. Your story can propel people closer to Jesus, just like this woman's did. And what's so beautiful now is that each of those Samaritans, they now too have their own story of colliding with Christ. They have a precious opportunity to invite others in and to tell them to draw near to Jesus too. I can't help but think, but what if she just picked up her water jar and went quietly back into town? She was likely disqualified by many of her peers. She likely didn't have a lot of people in her life that she trusted. But she boldly went back to tell the hope that she had just found in Jesus. You know, I think if we consider our own stories, many of us, our stories are a result of other people taking a risk taking a risk and saying yes to sharing their own story and to sharing the story of Jesus with us. This woman took a risk, she was vulnerable, and many believed because of her testimony. You have a story. You have a story. And when we courageously share our story, we get the high privilege, and it's a privilege, we get the high privilege to invite others closer to Jesus. Now, many of you in this room are probably like, yes, Lindsay, I hear you, I have a story. I don't quite know how to tell people about it. And I would say two things. Number one, you're not alone. And number two, we actually have a resource for you. And why we believe that this is so important is that in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that you have. So knowing our story is part of that preparation, okay? So in the lobby and on our website, we have a resource. It's a quick exercise. It's called the three-word testimony. And the first word describes what your life was like before you trusted in Jesus. The second word describes how you came to put your faith in Jesus. And the third word is what is life like after? What is life like after you've placed your trust in Jesus? Obviously, our stories are much more complex than three simple words, but this tool really gives us an awesome framework a starting place to get the courage to share with someone. So this morning I've got a treat for you. Actually, I have invited a friend to come and share her three-word testimony. Um, God has given my friend Fallon an incredible story, and God has also given her a lot of courage to come share it with you. So will you give your uh, applause for my friend Fallon, please? Come on up. You want to sit here? Great. How are you feeling? 
I'm a little nervous. A little nervous. <laughs> um, before we get started, Fallon and I have done, we've taken a risk together before in our life. We were about 45 feet up on a platform, and we had to jump off of it. And don't worry, parents, we were tethered to a belay system and safe. But Fallon had the great idea, let's just hold hands and look into each other's eyes. <laughs> so that's what we did, and we got some courage and jumped off a 45-foot platform together. So it's kind of like that. Yeah, good. we're good. Okay. So Fallon, will you quickly introduce yourself to people? Hello, my name is Fallon. I'm a senior at Lord Barata in the Governor's School, and my family has been coming to the church for a little over a year. A little over a year. Awesome. Fallon, what is your three-word testimony? My three-word testimony is striving, curious, and trusting. Striving, curious, and trusting. Great. Can you tell us what life for Fallon was like before you came to faith in Christ? Um, so before my relationship with Christ, I was a very anxious person. Um, I thought everything relied on me, my future, my goals, my successes. Um, so I felt a lot of pressure, and it was all coming from myself. Um, you know, I had heard the story, you know, Jesus died on the cross for you, um, but I didn't really know it personally. So I had that head knowledge, but I was lacking the heart knowledge. And I would say, like, to my Christian friends, like, I'm good with Jesus. Like, we're good. There's nothing to worry about. We're cool. We're cool. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and how did you come to encounter Christ? Um, so junior year, a few of my friends heard about Fall Weekend, which is a Young Life Retreat. And we decided to go, um, not really knowing what it was going to be about, but just went for the fun of it. And very unexpectedly, the message really struck me. Um, I felt pretty called out um, by the message, honestly. Um, and I started to consider my priorities. You know, I was putting so much of myself into school and friends and sports, and um, I wasn't really getting my worth from where I needed to. Um, so during the weekend, we had about 20 minutes outside, and I really um, just reflected on the message, and I didn't know where all this feel where these feelings were coming from. Um, so I went and started talking to a Christian friend of mine, and I just said, I was like, Anna, I'm a Christian. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know what I'm doing. And we talked for a while, and she told me what her life looked like as a Christian, and I was like, that's what I want. I want that fulfillment from Christ. Hmm. Um, so that's when I decided that I wanted to dedicate my life to Christ. Yeah, that's beautiful. Now, your dad was actually up here. Pete, a man of few words, if you remember. That's Fallon's dad. He was up here with Scott a few weeks ago. And it's really beautiful how God was just kind of pursuing your mom and your dad and you. And your dad had been meeting with Scott, and they had just joined their life group and coming to church. So what was that experience like coming home from fall weekend and kind of sharing that with your parents? Um, so like Lindsay said, my parents had just started their own life group with the church. And when I came home from fall weekend, we went away for um, a soccer tournament and over dinner with my mom, I was catching up and just um, telling her about the message and it was about the Samaritan woman actually. And her face lit up because they had just talked about the same message at her life group. Um, so it was a very special moment. We really got to talk about it. And it was probably the first time we really talked about the Lord in depth together. So it was a very special moment to share. It's really special, really special. Um, what has life looked like since placing your trust in Jesus? 
Um, you know, once I decided that I wanted to dedicate my life to Christ, it was a slow process to see what does a, a you know, Jesus-centered life look like. Um, so I started with, like, the little things. You know, I talked to my Christian friends, and I would send them question after question. <laughs> um, you know, listening to Christian music in the car and writing down the sermons at church. And, um, you know, the anxiety was still there. I still ha- felt this pressure, but I was just reassured by Christ um, that I could look to him instead of my own capabilities, and I was just trusting that it was going to be okay no matter what, because whatever was happening in my life was a part of the path that Christ had made for me. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you really started to put your identity in something bigger than just yourself and Jesus. Yeah. Man. Um, can you tell us what it looks like to connect with God on a daily basis? Um, so before Christ, I did pray, but it was more of a need basis, um, a last resort. Um, so after I decided I wanted to change, I would pray every night before bed. And then I was praying throughout the day. And then, um, you know, I was praying for my family and friends and then strangers and people I didn't know. And then <laughs> praying for people aloud and writing down my prayers. And eventually, as my relationship with Christ developed, these prayers became more like a conversation with the Lord. Um, and my thoughts were no longer my thoughts. They were thoughts to the Lord. Wow. My thoughts are no longer my thoughts. They're thoughts to God. That's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, um, Scott talked a few weeks ago about how the harvested of the Lord becomes the harvesters for the Lord. And as your friend, I've gotten to see you turn into a really bold harvester for God. Can you share with us what it's been like to share your faith with your friends? Um, So one of my friends that I went to that fall weekend retreat with, we decided to open a chapter of FCA at the Governor's School. Um, And it was just a great way to weekly connect with some of our peers and, you know, share our stories. Um, with them all. And of course, with Young Life and Bible Studies, you know, just getting closer with our peers. Um, But I would say, most importantly, the Lord has just given me this courage to share my story, Um, because it's not an easy thing to do, and it's taken a lot. Um, But I, I found this courage to reach out to people and to share my story, like my friend Anna shared with me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you had a friend recently that you got to actually process the gospel with. Um, At the last fall weekend, one of my best friends actually uh, decided to dedicate her life to Christ, and it was a very powerful moment for us both. And um, being able to walk through that with her and um, see how she's changed and how her heart has just opened up to the Lord, it's not only brought us so much closer together, and it brought her closer to the Lord, and it brought me closer to the Lord. Um, And I'm just very happy to be a part of that with her. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate it. Will will you guys give a round of applause again? Takes great courage. Well, guys, I hope you're encouraged. We do not need to know all the answers. We do not need to have all the facts. Just like Fallon has a story, just like the Samaritan woman has a story, just like Curtis last week has a story, you too have a story. And God wants to use your story to tell his story. God wants to use your story to tell his story. So in a moment, we're going to have the prayer team come up. And they are available to pray with you. And as we have this moment of worship and prayer, um, if you have not personally encountered Jesus, if you're in awe of how that woman and even Fallon's story, encountered the living God, if you're in awe of that, I would encourage you to come pray with a prayer minister. They would love to navigate 
that prayer with you and ask God to come and reveal himself to you. And if you are following Jesus, then I would urge you to take the next few minutes and just pray and ask God, who does he want you to share your story with? Maybe it's someone on your Frank list. Maybe it's someone totally random. You never know what God can do. Uh, But I really believe that God will give you names and faces to share your story with and ask him for the courage to do so. Remember, it is a high privilege when we get to invite others near to the living God. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you pursue your people, that you um, seek us out. Thank you that you have woven us into your story, God. Lord, would you show us who to share our stories with? God, and not because you need workers, but because you delight to have children and you want to bring us into the fold of what you are doing to expand the kingdom of heaven. God, would we say yes? Would we take a risk and share our story? In Jesus' name, amen.